0: I'm excited about where we're at i'm excited about what god is doing here and i'm really excited that as we're coming to a conclusion on a series that we have been in for about seven weeks on courageous living and this idea that in the world that we live in it's a tough world right now isn't it i mean we talk about a lot of the cultural issues and things like that but here's what i know that no matter what the circumstances what the issues are we're facing God is calling upon His sons and daughters to live cor- courageously in His name. Our Scripture that we have as our foundation Scripture for this is simply out of 1 Corinthians 16, 13, and it says, Be alert, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. And then I add to that, and let's just do everything in love. Can we do that? And that's what God has called us to in that area there. You know, this is the third part of an internal series on courageous stewardship. Jim Ladd started for us about three weeks ago talking about our finances, but it was really the treasure that God has entrusted to us. I shared with you then, that man has poured into my life for many, many years and reminded me again of teachings that I'd had here with him before and as we'd worked on about his ties and our offerings and what God has done there. And I know that for so many of you and the conversations that God is working very hard on all of us to live courageously in all areas of our lives. But then we talked about our time and being a good steward of what our time is. And then I want to finish this up and we're going to talk about our gifts and our message today. And I got to grab something here is really about being a steward of the gifts that God has given us. And some of you are going, Chuck has probably lost his mind on this. This is kind of a three-legged stool. I'm going to set this right here for us so we can see that as we walk through this, that right now the big idea for this is God created and gifted each of us to serve others and bring glory to Him. That's why we were created. He gifted us, created us to serve others, but for the purpose of bringing glory to to Him, and not the glory for us in the process. There's a Scripture here that we want to turn to, and in this Scripture, God tells us that uh, in 2 Peter 4, 10 and 11, and in 2 Peter it says, just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others. As good stewards, there's the word that we're talking about, our stewardship of the gifts, As good stewards of the varied grace of God, if anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. And if anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides, so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything, to Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. I want us to look at this Scripture for just a second on this. God, as we examine this carefully, here's the first thing that jumps out. Just as each one, we are the each ones. If you're sitting here today and say, I'm not really sure that I've been gifted, God says that's just not true. Every person sitting here is sitting with God-given gifts And we'll talk from the creation. God knew this. He put gifts inside of you. But he says that gift, and he says, but here's what it's for. If somebody hands you something, you get it, and you go, it's very nice, but I'm just not sure what to do for it. God makes it very clear to us that he has gifted you. He has gifted each one. He has gifted me to serve others. That's the purpose of it in the family. We talk about in our ministry that in a true intergenerational environment, everyone gets to serve and be served regardless of generation, regardless of age, regardless of color of skin, nationality, economy. We were called to serve one another. And there's a place for all of us in that process. And he says, but as good stewards, I like that because that's what we're talking about is he says, when I give you that gift, it's not just for you to have it, look at it, and to show up with it, but to be a steward of that gift. That's what God has called us to, is to be a steward of that gift. And so he goes on and he tells it, but it's through his grace. It's through the reason that he does that. And the big why is simply this, so that God can be glorified. So that God can be glorified. That's what he does this for, right? Now let's dive a little deeper, and here's my three-legged stool. For many, many years, I've had this image in my mind that serving God is like a three-legged stool for me. And the three legs of this stool are simply this. There's the gifting, there's the calling, and there's the anointing. And you know, the thing about a three-legged stool is, is it's very stable, but if you try to use just two legs, you can do that for a while, but it's going to weary you because you're trying to balance this. And we know how difficult it is to try to balance on one-legged stool, you know? that's a very difficult thing. Again, you can do it for a period of time, can't you? But over time, it's going to weary you in the process. The stability of a three-legged stool provides us something totally different in that. And so the gifting, the calling, and the anointing. And we look at these three gifts, and let's start with this issue of the gifts. We've already established that God has gifted each one of us, but there's a reason on this leg that he does it, and he gives us a responsibility with this. You are not just gifted to show off and be proud about it and sit back and tell everybody, but to use that gift. And God tells us this, and He says, "Look, you got to know your gifts, you got to develop your gifts, and you got to utilize your gifts. You got to know what your gifts are, you got to develop your gifts, and you've got to utilize your gifts." You know, one of the issues is, and we feel very strongly here, and it's something that at Summit Church, we want to help you in that area, because it's very difficult to use a gift you don't know you have. You know, you say, well, you know, you could have done that, and go, well, I didn't know I could. I didn't know I was gifted. I didn't know I had the capability and so forth. But the fact is, is that to help you understand, that's what Growth Trek is about, that during that Growth Trek process, and I know you hear us talking about it, but we are so committed to helping you grow in your faith, and that includes knowing who you are and whose you are. That includes knowing why you exist, how God gifted you, what your purpose is, why you're here today. And that's a commitment that we have to you as a church. At every single level that we have. And you can get plugged in through the growth track there. Because without it, you really don't know what your gifts are. And looking at James 1.16. He says this. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Who does not change like shifting shadows, but by his own choice, he gave us birth by the word of truth, so we would be a kind of first fruits in his creation. When you look at that word, he gave us birth, you know, there's two meanings to that. When he talks about the gifts there that he gave us so we would be the first fruits of his creation. There are two creations, aren't there? He knew us before he formed us in our mother's womb. But it says what? We must be born again. So when he talks about the gifting and our responsibilities and what God is calling us to do. When you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have been born again. You are that new creation and God is saying your gifts. Or so that I have the first fruits. That is the service that we have to one another. That is what God is calling us to do. That is who God is calling us to be in the process. The second thing on this, we talk about every good and perfect gift is from above. Right now, Jordan, our next-gen director with our student ministries, is helping them understand spiritual gifts. He's helping them understand what their spiritual gifts are. Because as we said, you know, it's just not something you get and say, well, you know, when you reach a certain age, the church will decide if you're gifted, and then we'll tell you what to do with it. That's not what God says. That God's creation says that you are gifted. And it's important that we start with our young people as well for all of us to understand that this idea, this good and perfect gift, that it comes from God Himself and what he wants us to do with that. Now the second leg of the stool is the calling. You're calling, and literally, when you look at some of this, it is, it is a summons." The translation of that word "calling" very often is, it's a summons by God that He gives to us. While Billy was gone I know she's been gone a lot on one of her trips we received something in the mail. It was a summons. Now, before you start jumping off the deep end about Billy, it was for jury duty, okay? But nonetheless, it was a legally binding document that compelled her to do something. Now, she didn't have to go because it was the call in. We know that. But the fact of the matter is, had they said, yes, show up the next day, she would have been compelled due to the summons to show up and perform the duties that were required of her at that time. And so that's what this means here. And Jesus tells us this, you know, in Jeremiah 29, 11, we know this, right? I, excuse me, in, in, uh, didn't get too far ahead on that, did I? okay, on this issue of the calling that it is so clear for us that we have literally been called. In 29.11 he says, for I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Now listen carefully to the words as he says, the Lord is declaring this into our lives at the time that the plans for your well-being, not for a disaster, but to give you a future and a hope. This is God's plans for us. And He has this calling on our lives. It's not a second thought for Him. Do you understand? And He says in Proverbs 19, 21, you know, many are the plans in the minds of man, but the purpose of the Lord will stand. We can have all the plans that we want to have and say, but this is what I feel like I'm called to do. But if that calling doesn't align with what God created in you, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss... everything God has for you, until you align yourself with the gifting that God has poured into you, that good and perfect gift, till you align yourself and said, but this is the calling on my life that God has for me. And when we look at the Scripture here, God tells us this. So what do we do with this? We know we've got to know our gifts. We know we've got to develop our gift. We've got to utilize them. So what do we do with the calling? The issue with the calling is, is we've got to be obedient to it the issue with the calling is is that we've got obedient be obedient to that god tells us in luke and he says this whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful in much and whoever is unrighteous right in very little is also in unrighteous that word that god uses is faithful could also have been obedient now read it like this right instead of the faithful what if it reads Whoever is obedient in very little is also in obedient in greater things. And whoever is disobedient in the very little things will also be disobedient in the greater things. You know, one of the things that you get that, and the issue of obedience is this, people say, well, you know, I, I don't need to do all the little things. When God calls me to something really big, I'm going to be ready for that. Here's what I know from life, serving in the military, watching ministry. Those that think, I can just hold off till the really big thing God has for me. And when that time comes, I'll be ready. But I don't need to do all the little things, right? God is saying, no, it's just the opposite. God is saying it's more important that you do the little things because that will lead you to the greater things. I love it when Billy really reminds me I've told stories before but I've shared with you I get to tell them again for the first time. Sometimes we get so hung up on waiting for the big thing because that's what God's prepared us for. Friend in Missouri and he had been to probably I don't know 15 of the conferences for promise keepers and if you've been there, you know, you know that that first night was the evangelism message and Boy, on staff and field ministry, there was no place on the face of the earth we wanted to be, more importantly, than to be down front when those men that were compelled by the Spirit of God to respond to the invitation to give their lives to Christ. There's no place else in the world that you wanted to be on that Friday night. But my good friend was telling me that on that Friday night, he was down there as one of the evangelism volunteers. And he had it in his mind, the big thing. And he was literally praying And we laugh about this afterwards, how foolish we can be when God positions us, you know, and then we start thinking about things. And he said, God, who are you going to bring to me to pray with? Will it be a bank president? Would it be a senator? I mean, you know, not that our politicians need faith. Let's get away from that one, any of them. But, you know, he had this huge image in his mind, right? And so he's there praying And everybody rushes down, and standing in front of him are two bikers. Probably hadn't had a shower in a while. And he opened his eyes up, and he saw them. And he looked at them and said, wow, that's great, God. And then he said, I closed my eyes, and I said, it's wonderful to see these guys, but who do you have for me to pray with? You get the picture? He opened his eyes again, and they were still standing there. And they were standing there then. He kind of got the message that this is who he was supposed to pray with and he started getting their stories and the one guy was raised in a christian home his dad had been involved in promise keepers tried to get him to a conference for years back in those days they would do one year st louis one year kansas city so it was an easy one and the guy said the other guy had no faith affiliation whatsoever they were riding their motorcycles they heard on the radio there were still free tickets There's 60,000 guys in the arena in St. Louis. And they decided they'd come. Why not? The invitation came and they responded. And the one guy said, I know my dad is here someplace. My only wish is that he would know what was going on because he's prayed for me for years. As they bowed their head to pray, these two men, my friend Bobby, a hand reached out over the shoulders of both of those bikers. And when they looked up, it was the one man's father who had been sitting in the rafters, literally. He said he had no idea why, but God had compelled him to come down during that time frame, walked him straight through the crowd, and walked him right up behind his son and his son's friend to come to know the Lord. My friend told me, he said, of all the people I've ever prayed with, of all of the responses that we've had, that's the one I'll remember, to be faithful in the little things. And God calls us to that, and he tells us that we've got to be faithful in those as we go through. Let me give you an area, and I want to just touch on this. You know, one of the areas of obedience that God calls us to is water baptism. I tell you the things that we believe very strongly in. I'm looking out and seeing people that I've had the privilege of being in the tank with Meg and others that have been baptized and how important it is. After this service, I know there are some people that have had questions about being baptized. We'd just like to have some answers. And while we have information on our website, on July 16th, we're doing a water baptism. And if you have any questions whatsoever after this service and get to say hello to some folks back in our family viewing area, which is just right there in the atrium. I'm going to be there, and I'm going to do my very best to answer any questions that you have. Because we do not want Satan to have anything that could be a stumbling block for you being baptized, if that's what God is calling you to. Now remember, from a faith belief, that's not your salvation. That is, what's the word we're using for the calling? It is an obedient response to what God has done in your life. It is an obedient, it's your first step of obedience in a sense. And we'll talk about that's what Jesus did. And, you know, when John the Baptist said, isn't it you that should be baptizing me? And he said, let's just do this thing. Let's be obedient to what our Father in heaven is calling us to. And we're going to do that. We're going to be obedient to that and we're going to do everything we can to make sure you have all of the information you need to step forward in obedience because we believe your obedience in the things like water baptism, your obedience in the small things, whatever it is we can help you with, is going to lead you to the trust of God for the greater things that God has for you. And we have a responsibility to you and we're going to walk in the fullness of that. I want to talk to our for just a second to our encore generation. You know who you are. And for those that don't know that term, we use the encore. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of talking about seniors as the over the hill, under the hill, or around the hill gang. I don't know what those mean. But this idea of this encore means that there's some of us here that the world may say, I get people all the time, they say, are you retired, Chuck? I said, yeah, my age, of course I am. I'm just doing a couple of little things. You know, I Get to serve at Summit, and we have a ministry and a publishing, and I'm a football coach, and trying to be. Yeah, I'm pretty much retired, right? But God's got a word for us. And one of that word is that, and I learned this from a pastor in Florida this idea of the encore generation is, you know, when you really see a great encore, you know, it's a great performer that was ready for it. Everything he's done in life has led him there or she to that moment, right? And I want to talk to our encore generation for just a moment. You know, if you're sitting here today and you're going, I don't know that. That God can really use me. We did a we've worked a lot with this in our ministry at a chosen generation. And last fall we did a, a seminar for the encore generation. And after the Sunday morning in the service, there were literally three people that had stepped away from ministry because they were told to pass the baton or they had already fulfilled their time. And they went back and they asked, Can we get we thought we were done, but God is not done with us and that idea that God still has plans for us and in that we also do by the way in that same day long training and that seminar we do the spiritual gifts and we do the the personality assessment but here's what God tells us in Romans 11:29 and he tells us this since God's gracious gifts and calling are irrevocable some of the translations say in there that it's without repentance and what that means is is simply this God doesn't change his mind because you got older. One of the things that thrills me on a Sunday morning, I'm a, most of you know I'm more into forgiveness than to permission, but Joe, when you and Barb walk through the door and I see that white hair and that white beard, it's not Santa Claus, it's a man of God that's coming to serve who knows that your gifts haven't been revoked by God knows that God hasn't changed his mind, that you and Barb have so much still to give, I think cease with you all the stuff you do behind the scenes between small groups and everything else and the people involved. And we just had a great conversation about God reigniting you in a role you didn't see coming. But you know God's got this, and you know the gifting and the preparation. And we could go right on down through with all of what we call our under the hill, over the hill, and so forth, If you want to see something that, for me personally, in my heart, when I see the patriarch of a family sitting there, Ed, and he's in a wheelchair, and they got him out of assisted living this morning because he wanted to be in church today. And when I walked up to stand next to Billy, I saw this man of God standing, lifting himself up out of his wheelchair to stand and worship God don't tell me god's done with that man or anyone else in this room that god's got such great plans for us but we can't get this encore generation white hair no hair whatever the struggles we can't get there from here if we think god changed his mind or our gifts and calling had an expiration date on them because they didn't and for some of us we need to understand we're just getting started in this process And so what happens after that, the third leg of the stool? It's called the anointing. Many people ask me, and they say, Chuck, so how do you define anointing? Well, I'll tell you for me, and this is one of the things that I believe so strongly in, is whatever definition that I use, it better apply to our patriarchs. It better apply to our young people that are here with us just as much to me. So if I can't make it, and one of the problems of sometimes we have in church is, like for young people, we have a different definition of things for them. You know what I mean? But the reality of it is, an anointing to me is simply this, a right relationship with God. You know, when you hear somebody speak and you really connect and say, man, that was from God, that, here's what I think. A lot of times it has very little with what the person is saying or even how gifted they are. What you're really seeing is that right relationship with God. Now, here's our issue, and we got to get this right. You see, here's what we've established. Leg one is the gifting. We know that God gifted you before he formed you in your mother's womb. He knows that he's got plans for you, and those plans are called the calling out here. It's a summons for you to do something with the gifts, right? So when you think of those two, those come from God, don't they? The gifting isn't something you woke up one day and said, you know, I'd really like to be gifted in this area. And if God hasn't planted it in you, there are things that you can do, but you'll know you're not operating in your gifts. It's not that place you're supposed to be in that very moment. You know, when you do things here and you say, well, I'm doing this because it needs to be done, But you know when it's not your calling, that summons through the power of the Holy Spirit that draws you in that you can't do anything else. But you see, those two come from God, don't they? Where's our responsibility? Our responsibility is to have a right relationship with the living God. Because you see, the gifting and calling without the right relationship with Almighty God itself it's going to be wasted, and we're going to miss it. But God has timing on these. There's a reason for that. I want to walk you through and just some things that, you know, recently, conversation. And I love it in the process that right here. And again, here's forgiveness for it, But Mark Ogonowski, you'll see Mark all the time, serving here, some of it. You know with student ministries and that we had a conversation he's got biblical training but he says i know god's calling me into ministry what i told him last week is i know that he is mark but right now he's calling you to go get a job because it's got to be in god's timing doesn't it mark walked in this morning he said chuck i got a job this week he got a job And I said, you're doing what God has called you to do. Not because I'm so in tune, but I just know that through my experience. Now, let me just take you through some timing things. In 1992, Billy and I were still in the military, just finishing up, served on the staff at the Joint Staff in the Pentagon. God had been doing some serious work in my life, Billy will tell you that, you know, this year will be 46 years of marriage and all but about the first 10 have been really good. You can take that wherever you want to take that, okay? But there was a time that as God was stirring in me and I had to make some decisions, and that had to do with career and that had to do with other things. But in May of 1994 or 1992, We were at Frank and Doris Burroughs' house on Misty Blue Court in Springfield, Virginia, and there were two couples that were praying over us and blessing us. I'd been involved in doing men's ministries, some student ministries, and some speaking, but not a great deal. And Billy and I, I can tell you, the couch where we were sitting, where Frank and Doris was and the other couple, and God just picked me up and threw me to my knees, and within just literally seconds, Billy was right there with me, and I began to pray out loud. And I surrendered my life then to go into vocational ministry. Now, let me remind you of some definitions. I don't use the term full-time ministry because I think we abuse that sometimes because it's like I'm in full-time and you're not. You are in full-time ministry if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And that can be in the workplace, and that can be wherever God has you. But know this, God has you in full-time ministry. That's where he's placed you for his glory. But the issue of vocational ministry is sometimes God gives us that opportunity or whatever that calling that we step out and our tent making, which is what Apostle Paul was, is the same as the ministry and he used that, right? So right now I have the privilege of being in vocational ministry, but understand this, saints, what I am doing here is no more important than everything God has called you to. Don't ever be misled by that. Don't be misled by a title. Don't be misled by a position. Don't be misled by people that have greater friends. God has called you to full time ministry. But in that moment, in 1994, on our knees with Billy and I with our arms around, began to pray and say, God, we surrender our lives to vocational ministry. Now, you would think, because this is how the human mind wants to work, you know what? That happened today. I'm ready to start tomorrow. But you see that issue of the gifting and God's timing on the calling, but that issue of the right relationship with God—all of those go together. There's some of you here that are saying, "I know I'm called to ministry, but God's got a timing for that, and there's a preparation process. There are things that we've got to be obedient to for God to do that and see it fulfilled in our lives." And Billy and I knew then, and at the time, by the way, we thought we were going to—we we were suffering in Rome, Italy for. A three-year assignment, we thought it might go to four, and then we would come back, and in my mind, I'm still going, and then we will come back, and I will tell the army where I'd like to be to position me so I can serve God, and we can get everything in place. We went to Italy, and there were things that we had prayed about, and one of those was we knew that God wanted us involved in a, in a couple's study. We bought books not knowing who would be in it. We bought enough for four couples and a leader's book. Within three months in Rome, Italy, and we were attending two different churches there, there were three other couples that God put on our hearts, and all four of us came together and for a year and a half met together. But that was part of the preparation. That was part of that, the gifting, that when we say you have to know your gifts, you've got to develop your gifts, you've got to be able to utilize your gifts. But walking in the fullness of that small group that we had there And then after two years, and not quite two years, got the phone call that the army no longer needed my services. And we knew then that God was leading us to this next end. But we weren't prepared for that. We thought it would be a longer period. But in that time frame, two pastors there had me preaching and developing, and I needed a lot of work. Some of you are looking here now going, Chuck, you still do. But look, it's the best I can do at my age. We've had this conversation. Stay with me. But the rea- thanks, Neil, I appreciate that. All right, all right. At least somebody got that, you know. But in that process, and there was a things that took place in our lives. And, you know, it was about a year prior to that, Billy asked me, he says, what do you want to do when you retire? And I said, do you know something I don't know? I mean, we had another six years to go. And she laughed and said no, but I said, here's what I'd like to do. There's this thing called Promise Keepers, which we had talked about in the D.C., I'd like for him to just to give me a few states and let me develop the ministry. And you've heard part of this story, but that's where God led us to. But he planted the seeds back here. But we knew this. We had to work on the gifts to develop, to acknowledge those. We had to work on the calling and have it in God's timing for that. But you know what the biggest responsibility I had then, I have now, and I have tomorrow? None of that matters if I'm not in right relationship with God. You can have the most powerful gifts available. And we see people, when we talk about moral failures, there's actually a word in the Bible that's called sin. They didn't lose their gifting and their calling. They didn't lose those. God didn't change his mind. It was because of life decisions they made that they were out of the right relationship with God. And they missed what God had for them. In some cases, they were on the right path. But in some cases, they got more excited about who they were instead of who God was. And we've missed out on that. And we never want you to miss knowing who God is, how much He loves you, and what that looks like. So that's what we've got here. I want to suggest to you that this stool right here applies to all of us. That to walk into the fullness of who you are, who you are in Christ, why God created you. And to absolutely find fulfillment in this lifetime, you have to know your gifts. And if you don't know what your gifts are, we want to help you with that because we feel that's what the church is supposed to be doing, is helping you identify the gifts that God has placed inside of you. We want you to know that there's a calling on your life. Every single one of you, there's a calling on your life. God didn't make exceptions here and set a hierarchy. He said there's a calling on your life. He knew why He has a purpose for you. But we want to help you with this part here. Boy, if we do everything we feel that's important to help you with your gifts and your calling, But we are not a safe place for you to be in right relationship with God. We have betrayed you. And we never want to do that. Because in order to see the gifts and callings, that right relationship with God has to be there. has to be nurtured day in and day out, doesn't It doesn't mean we're perfect. Don't get me wrong. But we've got to nurture this relationship with God. I just read an article this morning at 5.30, and one of the things that it said is, far too often in our churches, we are valuing, telling people to value what they do more than who God is. I want to tell you as your teaching pastor here, if we miss this for you, we've failed you, and we're going to do everything we can to tell you, your gifts and calling we want to help you with but the most important thing is we want you to know that we will do everything that you are in right relationship with the living God that's going to explode those gifts and bring you out in his calling for his glory as we serve others our scripture as we close up here is simply this it's 1st Corinthians 16 13 again to be alert stand firm in the faith and be courageous, and be strong. And now we, uh, we're going to go into a very special time right now, and in this time, it's time we're going to take communion together. And in this time, here's what's going to take place, just so full disclosure. At Summit Church, we believe in open communion, meaning that if you have acknowledged Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, You are to commune with the family. Take communion with us. And we will walk through that process. There's only two sacraments that we do that require you to be a follower of Christ to participate in. That is communion, and that is baptism. It's the only two things. We say before you can participate, you have to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There's also a second part then for communion, And in that, it is, if there's anything, and the Apostle Paul tells us this, if there's anything that's separating you from God, if there's a blockage there, then God says, before you take communion, before you take communion, clear that up. If there's anything where you're not communicating to God, if there's a problem there, if there's a place you haven't asked for forgiveness, if there's a place you haven't confessed, whatever it is, clear that up before you take communion. Now, let me tell you what we're going to do so you know. We're going to pray here. The very first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you a simple question. In just a moment, I'll ask you to bow your heads. I'll ask you to close your eyes, and I'm going to ask you a simple question. Do you know Jesus Christ? Does Jesus Christ know you? God's word tells us that the gate is narrow. There will come a time when the gate is closed. There will those out there that say, but you know, we listened to you. We sat with you and so forth. And he will say, it's one of two places I find. He says, get away from me, you evildoers, for I do not know you. And that word know is to know and be known by in that relationship. And I will ask you if Jesus Christ was standing right here today, Could you look at him and say, I know you. Do you have every assurance in your heart beyond a shadow of a doubt that he'll look at you and call you by name and say, I know you too. We have to have that assurance. So we're going to pray for that first. And all I'm going to do is ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to do anything but to acknowledge if this is your day and you don't know Jesus Christ before taking communion, And you say, this is my day, and we'll pray with you, okay? Let's bow our heads now. Father, we thank you, we love you, and we praise you, Lord. Father, we come today and say that we need to acknowledge that you sent your own son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for us, to shed his blood, to pay for our sins. I ask, Father, that you would just help everyone here look into the eyes of their heart and to know that they know But, Father, if there's anyone here that does not have that assurance to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior as the only pathway to you, Father. I ask right now, Father, that you would give them the strength to respond. If this is their moment, your word says, except through the power of the Holy Spirit, no one comes to the Father. If you're sitting here with us today and you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, surrendered that life, his will be done, not yours. And you say today though is my day just raise your hand everybody heads bowed but if that's you just raise your hand right where you're at and father we're going to take every single person in here at their word and their word is the word with you not with us now with every head bowed right now as the apostle paul told us as he spoke the words that god had given him that if there's anything between you And God, right now, before you take communion and we celebrate what Jesus did on a cross, I'm going to ask you to sit and just clear that with yourself. I'm not going to ask you to do anything or respond, but this is a response time to God. As you do that, I'm going to have the privilege of serving our worship team. Father, we come before you right now. And we ask, Father, that if there's anything between us and you, that you would clear that up for us, that we would have that direct path as the Apostle Paul set us. As we move forward now, Father, and we ask that you will bless what we are about to do, that you will bless us as your sons and daughters. And we ask this in Jesus' name. On the night before he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he explained to the disciples, he said, this is my body that will be broken for you. Father, we ask right now that you will bless this element, that this broken representation of this bread broken for the broken body of Jesus Christ. We ask that you bless it and bless us as we receive it in Jesus' name. Let's take our prayer together. likewise after dinner he took the wine and he said the same thing do this in remembrance of me and he said this is my shed blood that is shed for you there we go. and he asked god to bless the wine and in that time he said do this as often as you drink this In remembrance of me very often we use those words to do this in remembrance like it's set apart as this memorial when it's reality what god is saying to us because he used the bread and the wine every time you do this because that was present at every meal remember me and the sacrifice that jesus made for us father will you bless this wine as it represents the shed blood of our lord and savior jesus christ and we ask your blessing on us as we do this in obedience to your spoken word. In Jesus' name, let's take the wine. Let me pray with you, and then we're gonna talk how we can have an opportunity to respond now. Father, thank you for this day that you've given us as we've taken together communion. I pray, Father, that this word spoken, that, Father, what everyone would hear, including myself, Is the message you have for us father bless our time father I thank you now for the gifting in each person here the calling on their lives and father the cry of our hearts is that we would be in right relationship with you and nurture that relationship in Jesus name and all of God's family said amen